As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Carrie Lutz's Financial Survival Network, where you get valuable information you just can't find anywhere else. To thrive in today's trying times, you need the Financial Survival Network now more than ever. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and get your free newsletter and gift. Financial Survival Network, now more than ever. Welcome. You are listening to the Financial Survival Network. I'm Kerry Lutz. And today is 2-3-21. Well, markets, uh, maybe they're going to calm down a little bit. Maybe not. Maybe we're just getting started. And maybe we're in for a lot more wilder ride than even what we've seen thus far. What do you think? Do you think this fun is just getting started? Send us an email. Let us know your thoughts. KL at com. That's the email address. We'll look forward to hearing from you. And now we're going to hear from Jim Welsh of Macro Tides. Find him at macrotides.com. Jim, uh, welcome back. So quite a week. Uh, kind of the empire strikes back. The uh, the David's attack uh, Goliath, and Goliath <laughs> uh, takes out the heavy boulders and starts rolling them down the hill at uh, at the army of David's. <laughs> you think? No, I mean that's the narrative that uh, a number of members of Congress wanted to push. The media wants to push that, but the reality is that if you're running a an investment firm and you have a tremendous increase in number of accounts, and those people then increase uh, their exposure to the equity market and the volatility uh, as, you know, in the stocks that they were focusing on. Um, you know, the regulatory bodies uh, calculate uh, one, a firm's exposure. Uh, they have an algorithm that calculates, okay, these are the kind of stocks that you, uh, your clients are uh, you know, putting your firm also at risk, and you need to come up with some capital. So, you know, that that's the real story behind what went on last week, as opposed to, gee whiz, uh, the little guy finally was starting to make some money and the big guys 
put the screws to them. I mean, anybody who's willing to pay over $400 uh, for a stock like GameStop, whose revenues have been declining for years and earnings are negative, uh, I'm sorry, is an idiot. Um, and, you know, I mean, it is what it is, you know, and, and to compare that what these mob in the Reddit chat rooms are doing something noble because they're trying to, uh, you know, run over hedge funds, uh, you know, to me, again, is, is media just off the rails because what's driving hedge funds is greed. What's driving these people in the chat rooms is greed. And, you know, to suggest that one person's greed is better than another, to me, is a little silly. I'll go along with that, that uh, greed is universal and, and greed is, whether it's good or bad, we don't need to make that decision. However, uh, when greed results in a short position that is larger than the actual number of shares that the company has issued, right. something is wrong here. And yeah. and let's let's go take it a step further. When there's this thing called naked shorting, all right, where the where the uh, hedge funds go in there and they actually short the company more shares than they have outstanding. All right, which when you have 140% short interest, that means 40% right. more shares are out right. there than the company ever issued. Issued. Right. Something is wrong here. Now I'm going yeah. to go back to um, to the what something that Elon Musk talked about in a recent interview with Sandy Monroe, where he goes back to the history of short selling, at least in the United States, where where they were delivering, constantly delivering shares, certificates back and forth. So there was risk involved. So they shorted. Uh, do we need short selling in today's markets? I know about the I know about the liquidity issue. I know also know that every great bull market rally starts with a short squeeze. Is it serving a valid function at this point, or is it just enriching the likes of Citadel and yeah. and the uh, what I would call the high frequency fraud traders? Yeah. Well, I, I think the the points of having a short position greater than the float. Uh, you know, is is valid. And I think maybe what comes out of this whole experience is that uh, the regulators take a look and hopefully take some steps to minimize those kinds of abuses. I have, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, standing to protect any hedge funds and so forth. Um, uh, but I just was objecting to the narrative that it was David versus Goliath. And it's kind of like, no, that's an oversimplification. There are some points to be made here, and you made one of them uh, that need to be addressed. And I think they will be uh, addressed. I will also point out that short selling firms do do uh, a lot of research. And so WorldCom, Enron, uh, the, you know, the large banks on Wall Street that were processing and, and uh, creating an awful lot of paper prior to the a housing bubble contributing to it, and then ultimately to the final, uh, you know, the fi- financial crisis. You know, the short selling firms were the ones that were doing the heavy duty research that uncovered some of these abuses that were taking place within individual companies and in mass. So they do serve a function other than beyond just liquidity, but that doesn't mean that they should have carte blanche. To the point that you raised, Gary. So, which uh, you know, hopefully, <laughs> which, which they, they have, have. which yes. they have, and front running and all that kind of stuff. So, to me, again, it's kind of like, okay, let's everybody take a deep breath. Let's be 
uh, objective in terms of of uh, reviewing, make changes that are necessary to kind of level the playing field necessary. But I do think short sellers have a valid point in terms of analyzing the valuation of some companies. And if those valuations are out of whack with really what's going on in the individual company, uh, you know, to me, the outlaw short selling, I think is, you know, a step too far. But, you know, again, uh, when you have a mob uh, deciding that, okay, we're going to target various uh, companies because there is such a high short interest, you know, there's something about that that, it, you know, doesn't sound all that gallant to me either. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, I just, it's a spade of spade. And, you know, again, when I heard all the comments, AOC and Maxine Waters, even Ted Cruz agreeing with AOC and a couple of these other Congress people, and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, they're rallying for the little guy. And my comment, in my Monday uh, weekly technical review, well, when these stocks lose 75% of the value, you won't hear a peep out of these folks. Yeah. And, you know, they have, in fact, Crickets. you know, dropped Crickets. by that much. And now they're on to whatever else it is but they you know they got their splash and elizabeth warren will have her field day and all the rest of it so um you know i I just object to the oversimplification sometimes that the media uh does on issues and as a result they're not balanced i mean it's one thing to say david and goliath but it's another thing to completely omit that you know there are regulatory bodies uh who um you know basically tell firms what kind of capital base that they need and are required to keep and so the very people in Congress who were, you know, making a stink about this typically are the people who most favor regulation. And in this case, it was the regulators who kind of came down and said, uh, you know, Robin Hood, you need to come up with X amount of more money and you need to control the uh, exposure and the risk that your clients are taking that are putting risk on you and then the backstop uh, for all investment firms. So I just want to, you know, tell the whole story as opposed to, gee, let's have a headline. Agreed. You know? Uh, Totally, totally agree with you. This story is much more complex than, than the media would have you believe. There were collateral issues. Uh, Obviously there was a number of brokerage houses whose uh, viability was threatened by the whole thing (laughs) and people don't understand. And I'll be honest with you. I don't fully understand it either, but I know that brokerage houses have to put out collateral when they hit certain levels. Look, without these brokerage houses, without these broker dealers, they couldn't make it short. The only one that can make it short is a broker dealer. So let's look at that because they've been doing this for decades now it's time yeah. for it to stop. You shouldn't be able to short more shares than are outstanding for a stock. The other thing is, if you look, and I don't want to get into the uh, metal thing and all that quite yeah, yet, yeah. but but when you look at ETFs, there's a very uh, reasonable debate about whether they should be allowed to be shorted or not. Um, you know, like the shorting... Naked shorting does allow for manipulation, but they don't like it when it's turned back on them and yeah. it turns into a short squeeze, which really uh, it's a counterbalance to the naked shorting and the abusive shorting that we see because the hedge funds aren't just happy to take their short position. We did our research, Jim, this company sucks. They're worth nothing and they're trading for a hundred bucks, man, that we can't lose this. They then often take the affirmative step of ramping up the PR machine and deliberately uh, 
releasing sure. misleading, often misleading, but definitely biased uh, research, releases, re- research yeah, yeah. on the market to basically talk their book. And yeah, 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 yeah. That's something that's really questionable as well. Yeah, yeah. No, again, I hopefully the, uh, something good comes from this as opposed to just, you know, political agendas that, that people look at it objectively. There are abuses. Things need to be changed in some respects. And those changes hopefully are made. And the net result is that the market is a better functioning, uh, uh, you know, beast, if you will, uh, and fairer as a result of whatever changes are made. And that should be the that should be the goal to cut through the hype and say, all right, we got problems here. You know, you got a problem, Lucy, like, uh, let's <laughs> fix it now. And, and in the in the furtherance, make the markets fairer right. and more transparent. Right. You, yeah. you just can't allow shorting of more shares because that just reeks yeah. of fraud. Yeah. Even if it's legal, it smells yeah. like fraud, doesn't it? You know, what's ironic here, Kerry, is very often, uh, you know, the thing that build up the abuses that start off small and get bigger and bigger as a bull market uh, progresses uh, really only get uncovered uh, and changed more often than not during the subsequent bear market where people look back and say, oh, okay, these are the abuses that contributed to this 40% decline uh, that we're experiencing. And um, you know, that's just the nature of bull markets over time. You know, people look the other way. Everybody's making money. Uh, what might be questionable is, you know, kind of dismissed, uh, you know, but the next bear market, all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's kind of like we look under the hood and we see that, oh, wait a second here. Uh, these were some of the things that were being done that really weren't appropriate uh, and maybe potentially not even legal. It gets exposed. You know? All the misdeeds yeah. Yeah. that took place, yeah. uh, and then they become retroactively illegal a lot of times, <laughs> which isn't always fair. Hey, yeah. you know, the other thing is that we have this legislative regulatory overreaction like Sarbanes-Oxley, which greatly damaged the U.S. economy. It's still damaging it to this day. Nobody has been able to get rid of the monster, right. and, yet, right. uh, and yet it goes on and on and on. Don't just survive, thrive. The Financial Survival Network. Dore Copper Mining is a premier, near-term, high-grade copper and gold redevelopment opportunity with tremendous exploration potential only 14 kilometers from the town of Shibugamu in mine-friendly Quebec. Dore Copper is debt-free and owns a 2,700-ton-per-day mill with an 8-million-ton tailings facility ready to be used. There is already power to site and it is accessible by paved highway and rail. Dore Copper aims to produce a profitable hub-and-spoke operation of over 100,000 gold equivalent ounces per year or over 60 million million pounds of copper equivalent by 2024. Because of the existing infrastructure and location, a low capex is anticipated to recommence production. Dore Copper trades under DCMC in Toronto and under DRCMF on the OTC. To learn more, go to DoreCopper.com. That's DoreCopper.com. This is the Financial Survival Network, the information you need to thrive now more than ever. Well, I gave the opportunity for a bunch of politicians to give some speeches about how they were really cracking down on corporate malfeasance <laughs> and yeah. so forth. And sometimes the cure 
uh, is almost as bad, or there's always unintended consequences. I mean, I, that to me, I think I've gradually, as I've gotten older, is that best intentions and you come up with a regulation, invariably there are going to be negative unintended consequences. It's a question of, you know, is the ratio, you know, five to one in favor of whatever you did or two to one in favor of what you did, or is it a 50-50 split? You know, uh, but I think a lot of uh, people who you know pass laws and stuff don't have as much respect for that process of there are unintended consequences. It's like, you know, the $15 minimum wage. My take is, hey, it ought to be based on the cost of living in the cities that people live because 15 bucks an hour in New York and L.A., sorry, that isn't probably going to help. You know, and I'm talking about addressing the working poor. People are working hard, working 40 hours a week, and they can still barely, you know, get the rent, pay the food, save a few bucks, get their kids into schools and all the rest of that. Whereas in Mississippi, $15 an hour wage is going to put a lot of small businesses out of business and you're going to lose jobs. Yeah, I can, so, yeah. you know. I can give you examples even closer than that. Uh, but the minimum wage is proven over time to cost jobs of the people who can least afford it. Now, for instance, I live in Palm Beach County. So you have the city or the town of Palm Beach, the island there, one of the wealthiest enclaves on the planet. And there are a $15 minimum wage is just like chump change. You know, you you can't even get half your Bentley washed for that. But then we go to the other side of the county to an agricultural city called Belle Glade, which at one time was the murder capital of Florida. And there, $15 minimum wage, man, you know, all the fast food places close up because they can't afford to pay it. Well, or what they do is they get the machines so that people walk in. They don't talk to a person. They just punch in what they need to do. And more and more people are being trained. And the other aspect is that, you know, those somebody who's 16 or 17 getting their first job, uh, that first job is really critical because people learn lifelong skills in terms of showing up on time, being able to follow instructions, interacting potentially with the public, and then also getting the reward and satisfaction of collecting a paycheck. So if you're going to pay somebody who's 16 the same amount of money as somebody who's 23, who has a number of years of experience, the reality is the 16-year-old doesn't get hired. So to me, the other thing is, besides adjusting the minimum wage based on the cost of living in various cities, the other thing is you'd have a second tier for those first-time workers so they can get that first-time job, get the experience that they need. So then, yeah. A year or two later, they're they're stepping up into a bigger job. But all that is too thoughtful yeah. uh, of analysis and common sense, uh, as opposed to somebody has a placard that says fifteen dollars an hour, and Congress is going to go ahead and just bull run it. And and that's the problem I think today is that um, uh, you know we have issues and problems that need to be addressed. But if we really want to improve a lot of people's situation, we got to do it thoughtfully uh, in order to minimize the negative unintended consequences. So my, you know, my point would be is like, hey, the minimum wage in New York and LA might be 18 and it might only be 12 in Mississippi. And that would work, you know? How about we get the government out of setting wages and we get the government to say, all right, here's a trillion dollars worth of regulations we could just get rid of today <laughs> and nobody's going to be any the worse. And yeah. let's uh, let's ex- work on expanding the pie. 
On the other hand, you go yeah. to a place like China and you see what complete absence of rule of law and regulation, what havoc it wreaks. During yeah. the flooding this year, um, the, they had massive uh, floods, like uh, 100-year floods all over the place. And what they found was that the Chinese government was actually speeding up the uh, the discharge from the dams at night when nobody knew about it, because <laughs> if they actually discharged during the day and people saw it, they had to pay compensation. But by discharging at night, even though it flooded people out the same way, they got away yeah. with it. They didn't have to pay. So wow. <laughs> we don't want to go regulatory free. That's yeah. just not yeah. that's a recipe for real disaster. Uh, yeah. magnifies natural disasters and man-made disasters somewhere in the middle it's got to be a happy medium i don't know what it is but the uh, government the regulators don't even look for it and i think that's really the problem uh, yeah but, yeah but well, we have simple is better i guess to them yeah, yeah. so <laughs> but we have i think what we saw those problems carry i yeah, mean that's well, a well, really productive 10 minutes <laughs> yeah we certainly shed some light on them i don't know about solving you know we are into solutions but but when it comes to the government <laughs> yeah you know above I, our pay grade <laughs> i kind of go with uh, jefferson the government that governs best is that which governs least least so yeah. that must mean yeah. we have the worst government in uh, the, well, history it, of the country. It, it, well, with Gen Zs and, and uh, millennials uh, electing more and more people from their generations and so forth in mindset, uh, Pew Research has shown repeatedly over the last few years that you know members of those generations are much more uh, of the mind that government should be doing more to solve problems. And to some extent, I understand it because if you're a younger person and you're looking at the divisiveness the dysfunction that you and I just kind of talked about where you see problems and yet nothing gets changed or the changes aren't really, you know, very effective. Uh, I, I think it's natural for them to think, okay, the government should be doing more to address uh, the problems. And that's what is going to happen. I mean, whether uh, us older folks agree with it, think it's a good idea or not, the reality of that is what's, in my opinion, what's coming. And, um, you know, I, I think knowing that, accepting that uh, is maybe somewhat helpful because there will be ramifications at some point down in the financial markets. You know, so I'd rather not have an opinion per se, but I'd be an observer and trying to observe when some of these things will either be beneficial. Like, for instance, you know, the, the spending plan that they're talking about uh, passing and the, the Democrats very well may ram it through. Well, if they send out, you know, uh, X number of dollars to a bunch of people who are working, whose income have not been affected, but have been trading uh, the market by buying call options on big stocks and so forth. Guess what? Uh, when those monies go out, there's going to be another big rally in the stock market because they're going to buy call options. The dealers are going to be forced to buy the stock. So we're seeing, you know, the ramification of some of the decisions and the money being sent out in Congress, not so much having as much impact on the economy as they would hope, but certainly having an impact on equity markets. And I think that's going to continue, especially if this additional money is passed and the amounts that they're talking about. So that's why I think one of the reasons why I think the S&P, you know, again, my take is I think we're going to see a correction. The technical underpinnings of the market the last two, three weeks have been slowly but surely weakening. 
I think there's a drop to 3,600 to maybe 3,500 coming. But then, Kerry, I think the S&P is going to make a move above 4,000. And, you know, Congress sending out a whole bunch of money to people so they can buy call options would be part of that equation. Thanks to easy money from Congress, we'll see. We'll see a, more uh, speculation. All right. Yes. Well, I think we'll leave it at that. Just tell people how they subscribe to your publication. Yeah, go to macrotides.com uh, and all the information is there. There's a bunch of a wealth of information you can uh, uh, review. And the one last thing I want to, if I can, carry touch on because I think it's important is, you know, the dollar has been declining since uh, March of last year and short positions have built up on the dollar. But of note last week, one of the European governing uh, council members, the head guy of the Dutch Central Bank, made some comments uh, that further appreciation in the euro was really unwanted because it would uh, make it more difficult for the ECB to get to uh, their inflation target of 2%. And and the reason why this is important is the euro is 57% of the dollar index. So as you noted out earlier, a lot of times rallies start with short covering. And I think potentially that's what we're looking at uh, in the dollar. A lot of shorts. And, um, you know, this might be the spark that gets things going. I suspect we'll see additional comments from members of the ECB in coming weeks because, A, their economy is weaker than ours. The vaccination progress, we're at over 7%. They're at 2%. And so they're trying to pull levers to stimulate their economy. One of them would be cheapening the euro. And I think that's what's coming. And that implies that we're going to see a rally in coming months in the dollar index, which will have some ramifications for various you know, financial markets. So thank you for letting me put that in. But I really do think that that was very noteworthy uh, you know, last week. So, Could all right. Thanks so much, Kerry. Hey, all of you out there, send us your emails, kl at kerrylutz.com. Twitter feeds at Kerry Lutz. Sign up for the, for the free newsletter at financialsurvivalnetwork.com. Jim, we'll talk to you again real soon. All right. Take care and stay healthy. Thanks for listening to Carrie Lutz's Financial Survival Network, your solution to today's trying times. For the latest, go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com. Financial Survival Network, now more than ever. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.